So because y'all aren't in my life group, I'm going to let y'all in on something that they know that y'all don't know. It'll help hopefully avoid confusion this morning. I have a bit of a running gag that I have going with, with the group whenever it's my turn to lead the lesson. And what I generally do is I, you know, after all the stuff we do at the start, I say, hey, this is our passage for today. We're going to be talking about this. And then I say, okay, so to get started, let's open up our Bibles to this other passage. I know, it's fun for me. Um, and I do it for a couple of reasons. One, because that's how running gags work. You have to keep doing them. It's a tradition kind of thing. Two is because I want people to see and I want to model just how interconnected the Bible is. Because I think the more you can see how the messages of the various passages of the Bible are connected, you kind of can get to go a little deeper in, in the depth of what they have to say to us. So in honor of that this morning, our passage will be Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. But let's just open up our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 30, starting in verse 7. I'll give you some time to get there. All right, hopefully you found it really fast. Just kind of crack it open. You're likely to hit Psalms. Go a little bit further. You're at Proverbs. So Proverbs chapter 30, starting in verse 7. It says, Two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So as we focus on this passage real quick this morning before we go into Philippians, I want to kind of focus on two things. The, the first thing is, what is this guy worried about? What is the concern he is expressing in his prayer to God? And two, what is his desired solution? Okay, so we'll start with, with the first one. We know what he's saying, because it's there on the page for us. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. And we know why he's saying that. It's in verse 9. Lest I be fool and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. He doesn't want poverty or riches because he's not quite sure how he will handle either of those situations. He's not prepared for those things spiritually. That's what he's getting at. And so, I mean... Think about it this way. Our money concerns are probably aren't these same concerns. I don't know about y'all. When I th think of the prayer, give me neither poverty nor riches, I've prayed one of those. I've not, <laughs> don't believe I've ever prayed the other one. Because I think I, I, got, I got that one. 
give me those so I'll be okay. And then I can be more focused on you. That's not what he's saying here. And so that's the question I want us to think about this morning. Do we really handle living in plenty as well as we like to think that we do? Spiritually speaking. And perhaps a scarier question, are we as prepared for living in want as we would like to think we are? If those questions concern you, don't worry. We're working towards the biblical solution to those. And spoiler alert, it's going to be Jesus. Right? So we have those two questions. So those are the things Agur, the guy who wrote this proverb, is worried about. What is his desire as a solution? He says... Feed me with the food that is needful for me. And so I want want to first focus on what he's not saying. He's not saying, dear God, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me that sweet spot in the middle. Give me that, that, that spot just above one and just below the other where I can handle it. Because I think the truth is, there is no magical Goldilocks spot. We are people just prone to want. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden had pretty much everything, right? But it wasn't enough. So I don't think he's asking for that what do I think he's asking for? I think he's asking God to teach him dependence. And I say that because of Deuteronomy chapter 8. I don't know if you've ever read that passage or are familiar with that passage. You don't have to flip to it. We'll just kind of hit the high points here. So this is after the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And Moses is preparing God's people to enter into his land. Finally. They were supposed to be there 40 years ago. It didn't work out. So God taught them for 40 years dependence. He fed them every single day with some sort of magical bread that just appeared. Daily. You couldn't collect it because God said don't. Except for on Saturdays, then you collect it. Well, actually Fridays, but we won't get into that. He provided extra for before the Sabbath. And also, Deuteronomy chapter 8 says, you know what else I did for you during the wilderness? Your clothes didn't wear out. I never thought about that before. That's a weird little thing to point out. But what would they have done? So 40 years, they were fed bread daily. God gave them water from rocks and stuff when there was no water around. God made sure their clothes didn't wear out and their feet didn't swell. 40 years of walking around in some sad lost circle in the wilderness. God taught them and he says, I humbled you and I tested you and I sought to teach you dependence upon me. 40 years. 
And God was faithful for 40 years. But chapter 8 goes on in in Deuteronomy. And God through Moses says, hey, here's the problem you're fixing to face. 40 years of me teaching you dependence and you're about to enter into the promised land. And there's a lot of good stuff there. You're going to live in plenty. And that's a danger for you. And the danger is the same danger that Agur, who wrote our proverb, says. He, they will be full and they will deny God and they will say, who is the Lord? After 40 years of being taught dependence, God's warning them, you're about to have plenty and you're going to forget me. Are we content with being dependent? How do we even think about what contentment is? So now this is where we head towards Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 10. When my wife and I were going through premarital counseling, we were given a book to read. It was by a Puritan author whose name I forget, but the title of the book... I still remember. It's the rare jewel of Christian contentment. I didn't read it, so if you're the guy who did our premarital counseling, sorry about that. It just didn't look that entertaining at the time. But it was a dry read, y'all. Those Puritans, they had depth, but they didn't have approachability. But the titles always stuck with me because of the two words that I think are extra It's the rare jewel of Christian contentment. And I bring that up because it actually is kind of a long treatise on Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, which we will read. That was also a stall to give you all time to get there, revealing all my tricks today. So starting in verse 10, Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length, You have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. And not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So hopefully as we were reading that, you were kind of thinking back to what we went through in Proverbs. Because whereas Agur said, I can't handle those things, Paul says, yeah, I can. And whereas Agur asks, hey God, teach me dependence, Paul can say, you know what I've learned? I've learned that. And so just a quick note on Paul's context here to kind of explain verse 10. Um, This is his letter to the Philippian church. It's wrapping up. The church gave him a gift, 
probably some money. When you're in prison, you kind of need money to help, you know, things go well. That's true today still, but it's a bit different back then. He needed stuff. They supplied it. And he's thanking them, but he's trying to also get them to once again, like we saw last week, understand his situation from a different perspective. And he says probably about the weirdest thing that you would do when you're thanking somebody. Thanks for meeting my needs. It's great that you were concerned for me, but I don't have needs. And so he says, I don't have needs because I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, when Paul is using the word content, the Philippian church would have probably have understood him to be using that in the sense of Stoic philosophy. That's how they would have defined contentment. And just kind of a brief primer on that. In Stoic philosophy, the idea of being content, of finding happiness in whatever situation you are in, is to become detached from stuff. Because stuff can affect you if you're detached from it. The logic is pretty sound. And so if you're unaffected by stuff and having it or not having it or gaining it or losing it, if none of that affects you, then you can be happy, right? So they sought detachment. And they also sought to be unaffected by various situations they found themselves in. And what they really sought, too, was this idea of self-sufficiency. It's about me. I can handle this. And how I handle various situations in my life the more I can handle by myself without depending on you or anybody else, the happier I can be. So that was the idea of contentment from a stoic stance. Detached, unaffected, self-sufficient. And Paul takes that word and says, you know what the real secret is? It's not self-sufficiency. It is as one commentator wrote, and I stole it, so that's okay. People do that. Christ's sufficiency. He says, the, the thing that, that you want, the thing that you need in order to find contentment isn't sought the way the world is trying to seek it and the way you might be tempted to seek it, the way that Agur in our Proverbs was worried about. Hopefully you caught that when we were going through it. If I'm poor, I'm going to try to fix my situation. I'm going to seek to do stuff that's going to bring dishonor to God. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to fix it. And if I have a lot, what am I going to do? Well, think that I got it here all by myself, and I don't need God. And Paul says, well, that's, that's just silly. Christ's sufficiency is the secret. That's what you need to be content, is to just lean on Christ. Because here's the thing. Paul says, like I said, the weirdest thing, I'm not in need. I have no needs. He's in prison, y'all. I'm thinking if I'm in prison, you know what I have? I have needs. First being not to be in prison. 
Second's a good lawyer to get me out of prison. We went over this last week, right? He says, hey, I have no needs. Why can he say that in the midst of prison? Because he has Christ. He has the one who meets all needs. So he can say, hey, I have all my needs met in Christ. Before I was in prison, now that I'm in prison, when I get out of prison, through times of plenty, through times of want, I have no needs that are really important that haven't already been met in Christ. That's Paul's message to them. It's not about detachment. It's about attachment. It's not about self-sufficiency. It's about Christ's sufficiency. Paul's taken that Stoic philosophy and he's just turned it upside down. said, hey, his context is different, but his desire is basically the same as the Proverbs guy, Agur. He desires a life of dependence upon Christ. And Paul says, where he seeks to be taught it, I have been taught it, and I am living it. That's where my life is at, a life of dependence. And so that's kind of what I want to head towards today. How do we grow in this area? Because that's like the one thing Paul doesn't really say. That's the one thing the guy in Proverbs sought. What I think that we do is what we have modeled, though, in both those passages. If we're really seeking to grow in dependence upon Christ... we pray the very scary prayer of being taught it. Because we know how God taught his people before. The other one is we seek God in our times of need and our times of plenty. One's going to come more naturally than the other one will. It's easy to pray to God And bring your stuff to him when you're facing need, when you're facing want. And yet the Bible is trying to get us to focus on the other side. It said, hey, when you have plenty, you know what you still need to do? Pray to God. Depend upon God. Because if you're depending on all that stuff that you have in your current situation, it could go away. So we pray to be taught dependence, we seek God in times of need and plenty, and we encourage one another as the body of Christ. We do what Paul's doing here. He's telling the Philippians, hey, I think what you did is great, but let me make sure you're on the right page spiritually with all this. So that's where our challenges come this week. So the first part is think of a time in your life when you have had to live in dependence upon God and share that story with somebody.
I'm fully convinced that we don't do this sort of thing enough. When we think about sharing our testimony to other people, we generally just focus on how we came to be saved. And we we don't do enough of sharing what God's done in our life after that. And yet, that's part of our testimony too. That's what Paul's sharing with these Philippians. If you'd read the whole book, you'd get a whole bunch of that more directly. He's telling them, hey, this has been my life in Christ. This is what I've learned. This is what I've focused on. This is what God has taught me. And I'm sharing it with you as an encouragement to you so you can grow both in your own spiritual maturity but also in your dependence upon Christ and your focus upon Christ and your trust because God is what? He's faithful. Forty years in the wilderness, God was faithful. Paul, in prison, outside of prison, whatever situation, is saying, I can lean on Christ. Why? Because he's faithful. And people in our lives and in our church and in our life groups, you know what they need to hear stories about? How God is still faithful to his people. So that's the first part of the challenge for this week. Think of a story and share it with somebody. Two, think of an area in your life where you are currently struggling to or simply just need to live in dependence upon Christ. And share this as well. So people can pray for you and with you. So they can come alongside you and encourage you. Because that's what the body's designed to, to do. Help each other in those times of need. Strengthen each other in those times of need. Help each other grow. I would share with you a story, but I would probably cry, so I'm not doing it. Maybe in my life group. But. We need each other. And God has given us each other. And that's what we're here for. If you would pray with me. Dear God, we ask you this morning to just keep us ever dependent upon you. Grow us in our dependence upon you. Help us focus on you more. Help our desires to be spiritually based desires, Lord. Teach us to properly distinguish between wants and needs. We ask that you break us of our sinful desires, Lord. Break us of the desire to be great. Break us of the desire to have more than other people so we look better than other people. Break us of the desire to have people Look to us so it grows our glory, Lord. 
we ask that you help us to point others towards your glory, Lord. Give us opportunities to encourage and strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Lord, who didn't even seek his own glory, Lord, who came down, gave up a life of plenty in heaven, Lord, took on a life of want and poverty, Lord, and greater than that, took upon our sins and our shame and our punishment, Lord, So you could provide everything that we truly need, Lord, through him. We ask all this in his name. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.